and seeing all you guys and hugging some necks. It was really nice to see you all this morning. I was so excited when I found out I was going to be coming here to speak today because it was like, yes, I'm going to get to see some of these people. And uh, just really excited. I do want to fill you in a little bit about what's been going on with us. Um, It's been almost eight and a half years since I had the heart transplant. And uh, I've had no issues. No issues. I'm telling you, when God does things, he does them right. And those of you that were here at that time, remember that I laid up there at the hospital and they didn't know that I was going to make it. There was, my dad walked out of my hospital room one night and told my sisters, he's not going to be here by Sunday. The doctors told us when we left, they said, it was such a blessing the way people prayed for you. And I said, well, there's people praying for me everywhere. And they said, well, there was a couple times when we just didn't know what else to do but go back and pray for you. And this church was so instrumental in me coming through that. And I can't thank you guys enough for praying. Pastor Tracy and Darlene were up there faithfully with Diana and encouraging her when I'm laying out there being out of it. Okay? Um, And so thank you guys so much for doing that. I, I can't can't start going on that too much here because i got to move on. But um, I'm still doing martial arts, still kicking. I uh, still teach all the time. As a matter of fact, I teach in an um, elementary school in Indianapolis. And um, I'm their phys ed teacher. And I get to teach them Taekwondo. And I get to pray with those kids. And I get to have a Bible lesson every time. And, and there's stuff happening up there. And... This started out at an element, or a homeschooling group. And an elementary school found out what I was doing, and they contacted me and said, hey, would you mind coming over here and doing that over here? And I'm like, yeah. And now a third place on the north side of Indianapolis opened up, and this year I'm in going up there teaching as well. So God is doing some stuff. And um, we're, still doing, we're still doing the martial arts. We are not going into the prisons like we were. Um, COVID kind of shut everything down. There was a youth prison in, Betty asked me about, there was a youth prison in Louisville that we went pretty regular, and that place is shut down. Um, But we are still doing martial arts demonstrations at churches. As a matter of fact, in a couple weeks, we'll be at Bridge of Hope um, for a couple services down there. And so we're excited about what God's um, up to. I'm excited about what he does. I have, there's a couple churches that, when the pastors are gone for whatever reason, they call me and I come in and fill in kind of like what I'm doing today. And so I've been kind of busy doing that type of a thing and just enjoying it. I'm just loving it where God's got me. And I'm just loving what he's doing. And I'm enjoying it. So um, hopefully today you all will get something out of this message today. The title of my message is Freedom. <clears throat> Let's pray before we start. Father, we come to you this morning and thank you that we have this opportunity of being in your house. Thank you that we have the opportunity coming in here and open up your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you guide, lead, and direct us as we go through this service. And Father, I thank you that we are in here today 
and that we have ears to hear. I pray that if there are any ears that are plugged, that they would be opened up. And not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And Father, I ask that your presence would be here. Help me to communicate clearly. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Turn with me, or with, if you will, to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And the verses are going to come up on your screen. Um, I've got a few little things here. So, you know, have you ever had these times when you, you're reading the word and you, there's something that you've read several times and then all of a sudden you, re, you read it and boom, something steps out and it's like, wow, I never noticed that before. There's a few of those little things I want to share with you today. In Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> let me lay the scene here a little bit. We're going to start at verse 21. But John was baptizing. Jesus had been baptized. And it says immediately after that he went out into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days. And then he came back. And when he came back in, he came into the area of Galilee. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees some people out there fishing. And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he picks up some disciples as he's going. And then we pick up the story in verse 21. And it says, Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Now, a synagogue was a church. It was not a modern church like this, but it was a church. It was a place where people went to praise the Lord. It was a place where Worship went on. It was a place where messages were preached. It was a place where prayer was happening. People came in and got prayed for things. It was a church. So when he came up there, he went into this synagogue and taught. And, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region. We've all read that story. And we've all heard the preaching on how Jesus done all this and stuff, and and how everything happened there. But I want to point something out to you. Do you realize that this man with an unclean spirit was in a church? He was in a church where there was praying going on. He was in a church where there was worship going on. He was in a church where there was preaching going on. And that unclean spirit was perfectly happy where he was. 
Nothing happened. Why? Because it was a ritual. Because they went to church because that's what was expected from them. They went to worship because that's what was expected from them. They prayed because that was what was expected for them. But nothing happened. But when God showed up, when Jesus showed up on the scene, that unclean spirit started squalling and bawling because he couldn't handle it. He couldn't stand in the place where Jesus was. No demon, no devil can stand where the presence of the Lord is. And you can go through all the rituals you want. But until the presence of God comes in there, nothing's going to happen. How is it that we go through life and we have issues that are in our life and nothing happens? And we pray and nothing happens. Because I believe that we have to live a life that is worthy for God to show up. I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about works. John said in chapter uh, 3 of Matthew, he said, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Right? When we live a life that is worthy, God looks at us and he sees the life we're living and what's happening in our life. You see, the Bible, there is a pattern that the the Word of God has. I'm not talking about doing works. I'm talking about living it. I'm not talking about if you do this and that's going to happen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing the patterns of what God's Word tells us to do. And you know, Tim mentioned something a little bit ago he's about the Bible, about being Jesus. In a way that I can't explain to you intellectually, when you open up this scripture and you read, you are in direct communication with Jesus. I can't explain it to you intellectually. And, but the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I can't explain to you intellectually how that happens, but when you open up this Bible, you are in direct communication with Jesus. And so when we look at what this Bible teaches us, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, please. In verse 13, it says this. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. You see that pattern. It talks about it having a pattern. If you look at 1 Timothy... Chapter 1, verse 16. 
It says, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. See, God's word, it's not, I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about there is a pattern to God's word. When you look at scripture and you see what the scripture says, we can evaluate ourselves, we should evaluate ourselves, and see what this pattern is looking like in our life. I wrote down a couple verses that I just want to go through a little bit and talk about patterns. In Luke 4, 8, Jesus said, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Now what's a pattern to that word? A pattern to that word is someone that esteems God above all. He's going to, that person's going to have a daily prayer life. That person's going to have a daily Bible study life. That person is going to attend church regularly because they want to know more about this God. They want to have more of this in them and they want to have a pattern that's going to be seen. People are going to be seeing that in our life. That's what I'm talking about. Ephesians 4.32 It says, Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. A loving person like this holds no grudges or ill feelings. I had a friend that was a friend of mine for 30-some years. We went fishing and hunting together. I mean, we hung out all the time. A couple years ago, he done something that really hurt me. And I said something to him about it. Well, then he started telling me about all my faults. <laughs> you know, and before you know it, we were kind of like telling each other about our faults. And uh, it, we, we just kind of separated. <clears throat> this bothered me. Because... That's not scripturally the way we're supposed to be. And so I made a conscious effort to step out and to contact him and to get back in touch with him. And I asked him to forgive me for what I said. And in order for me to show him that forgiveness, I began to take him again on fishing trips with me. Where we went to like Alabama and went fishing on a fishing trip. Because I wanted to show him that that was behind us. And that it, that, that it could be restored. We have to have a pattern that shows this stuff in our life. That's what I'm talking about being worthy. Okay? So whenever I mention being worthy, I'm talking about this kind of stuff. You know, in Ephesians 6.11, it says to put on the whole armor of God. And a Christian that's doing that, they're arming themselves with the truth and righteousness. They ready themselves with the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. 
when you look at that as that's put out, you can really see a picture, a clear picture of a warrior standing there ready to go to battle. You know, we got that helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness. He's got a shield of faith and that sword of the spirit here. He's ready to go to battle, man. That's evident in our life when we start doing the patterns of God. Matthew 6, 26, 41 says, Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. What does that mean? That means that we need to be alert with what's happening in the world. Spending time in prayer and going against temptations. I went to a meeting a couple months ago with Steve Bell. And um, there were speakers there. Um, one guy that was supposed to speak there, I think he was like, he, he worked under like three or four presidents of the United States. And they shared some things that when we walked out of there, I can tell you I had no idea how bad that our government is pushing for a one world government. I had no idea because we don't hear it on the news. Because we don't hear this out here in the media. There is stuff going on behind the scenes, folks, that make the hair on your arm stand up. Because they are pushing this. But God is in control. And God's word is going to happen. God is going to cause this stuff to come together in the way that he wants it. I don't care who is in the president's seat of the United States, you need to pray for him. I don't care who is in the president's seat of any country, you need to be praying for them. God's going to orchestrate this thing, and it's going to come together the way he intends it. Amen? Amen. All right, that was just free. Um, We as Christians are to provide a worthy pattern for other people to follow. That's living worthy of it. Just as Jesus gave us the perfect pattern. See, when God looks at us, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. We're going to fail at what we do. That's why we need His mercy and grace. That's why we need what He done on the cross for us. But He should find, looking at you, He should find somebody that is earnestly seeking and desiring to do His will and to follow Him. It doesn't mean we're not going to fail. But he should at least see somebody that's trying to live worthy for him. That's what I'm talking about. When he sees somebody like that, that's when he shows up. That's when he steps into your situation. Your physical ailment. Your mental issue that you have. Your anxiety. Your fear. Your depression. He steps in there And he breaks those chains because his presence is in there. The devil can't stand there. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 9. I want you to understand that when you are that kind of a person that's living that life worthy, like I talked about, that God is for you. God is for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to overcome those issues. He wants you to overcome those addictions. 
He wants you to put that stuff behind him because he wants you to walk in the freedom that he offers. And he takes it personal when he looks at you and he sees somebody living that life that's worthy. He takes it personal. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse, or chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters for him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were in the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now I want to stop here for a minute. I want to tell you this. Saul was not a bad man. See, Saul was actually... Look, he was, he was a man that was living under the Old Testament rules and laws. And when he looked at people that were Jesus followers, that were later known as Christians, so I'm going to refer to them as Christians now, when he looked at these Christians, he seen them breaking a bunch of the Old Testament laws. I mean, they were plucking seeds on Sunday. They were eating without washing their hands or right. And you know what? They had the audacity to heal on Sunday or on the Sabbath. Saul was not a bad man. Saul thought what he was doing was absolutely the right thing for God. And when he was going to, to persecute these churches, he thought that God was having him do this, that he was in the will of God. But then it says in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now we know that he went in there, he was blind. Ananias comes and prays for him, and the shackles fall off. But I want you to see something here. I want you to know, and we all understand, that Saul was attacking the church. He was attacking the, the Christians. He was attacking... The Christians physically. He was not attacking Jesus physically. He was attacking the people physically. The people that were earnestly seeking after him. The people that had the pattern of the scripture in their life. The people that were worthy were walking that worthy life. And when Saul was attacking them, Jesus took it personal. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting the church? He said, why are you persecuting me? He took it personal. And Saul said, who are you? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. When you are living that life that's worthy of him, and that pattern is showing in your life. When Satan wants to attack you in some area of your life, 
I don't care what it is, if it's physical, if it's financial, if it's mental, I don't care what it is, Jesus is going to take it personal. Remember, in um, Matthew 25, Jesus was talking about, and this scripture is not going to show up on your screen, but he said, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came. And then they say, when, when did we do that, Lord? When did we do that? And he said, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you do it to one of the least of these brethren of mine, at least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus takes it personal when you are that follower of Christ and the devil comes at you and he tries to attack you. He takes it personal. And, and there's, there's something else that we need to learn here too. We probably, we probably shouldn't be talking too much about other churches with what they're doing either. Right? Because if they're teaching the basic fundamentals of religion, of of being saved, of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't want to pick on them too much because I don't know about you, I sure don't want Jesus looking at me going, hey, what are you doing picking on me, boy? I don't want that to happen. Let me tell you a story here. I want to share this story with you. In 1890, there was a Pastor Thomas that pastored a church and in the town where he pastored at, there was a young boy, young man that nobody liked because he was mean. He would pick on kids and he would get in fights with people. He treated adults with condensation. He just disrespected everybody who was around. Nobody liked him because he was evil. One day, Pastor Thomas walked into town to buy supplies for his church. And he comes into town, and there's this boy walking down the road, and he's got a birdcage in his hand. And he's just whistling and having a good time and swinging that birdcage around as he's walking down the road. And Pastor Thomas said he heard the birds before he seen them. But he had birds in that cage. And those birds were scared. They were squawking and trying to get out. Some of them were huddled in the corner because they were so scared they couldn't move. Pastor Thomas says, what do you got there, boy? Boy says, I got me some of them there birds. Well, what are you going to do with them? Oh, I'm going to have some fun with them, Pastor. I'm going to get me a stick, and I'm going to poke them, and I'm going to smack them, and I'm going to torment them. And then, he says, then I'm going to take them, and I'm going to start plucking their feathers out one at a time. And I'm going to see how they take it. And then I've got some cats at home. And I'm going to see what those cats do to those birds. And Pastor Thomas says, well, what are you going to do then? He said, the ones that are left, I'm going to take them over to the creek. And I'm going to hold that cage underwater. And I'm going to watch them drown. Pastor Thomas says, you know. I'd like to buy them birds from you. 
And he says, no, pastor, I don't, I don't think I want to sell these birds. Uh, he says, I, I don't think I want to sell these birds. And besides that, you don't want these birds. These are just some old dirty birds I trapped outside of town. Pastor Thomas says, no, I'd really like to have them birds. What's it going to cost me? The boy gets a grin on his face. This is in 1890. He says, $50. Pastor Thomas said, sold. He reaches in his pocket, gets some of that money out he was going to buy supplies with, pays the boy. The boy walks off down the road, and he's just happy as can be. He's got his 50 bucks. Pastor Thomas took the birdcage out to the edge of town, and he opened up the cage. And he began to coax them birds. He began to gently talk to those birds and coax them. And one by one, those birds flew out of the cage and went free. On Sunday morning, Pastor Thomas got in front of his congregation. And he had that bird cage. And he told that story. And then he said this. I want you to imagine... Satan has a big cage and he's got people in that cage and he's walking around just having a good time and Jesus sees him and Jesus says what do you got there devil oh I got me some of these here people I got me some of these what are you going to do with them oh I'm going to torment them I'm going to attack them and cause them to have physical ailments I'm going to torture them and I'm going to cause them to have anxieties and fears and depression. I'm going to teach them how to start hating each other. I'm going to teach them how to get divorced. Matter of fact, I'm going to teach them how to kill each other. I'm going to teach them how to make bombs so they can destroy a bunch of people at the same time. And Jesus says, then what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them and I'm going to take them into eternity with me so that I can torment them forever. And Jesus says, you know, I'd like to have those people. And the devil says, oh, you don't want these people. They're just ordinary people, just ordinary sinners. You don't want these people. No, Jesus says, I'd really like to have them people. What's it going to cost me? The devil says, your life. And Jesus says, sold. And he goes up on the cross. And he dies on the cross. And nothing happens. And Satan thinks he's won because he's still got the people in the cage in bondage. And Jesus is dead. But on the third day, on that third day, Jesus rose up from the grave and he went to Satan and he said, Hey, those people are mine. I paid the price. Give them here. And he takes that cage and he takes it over here and he opens up the door and he's sitting there coaching us 
trying to coax us to get free of those addictions. Trying to coach us and teach us to be free of that anxiety. To be free of that fear. To be free of that depression. To be free of that financial burden that Satan's got you on. He's trying to coax us to get out and to be free and be in the freedom that God wants us to be. The sad part of it is, folks, there's some people that live in that cage of bondage because they're comfortable there. That's where they're comfortable at. They choose to remain in that bondage when the freedom is right there for them. And if they ever stepped out of there and experienced the freedom that we have in Christ, the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But they don't step out. And there's also some people that have stepped out and made the choice to step back into that bondage. I want to tell you this morning, I believe there is a spirit in here of breaking some of that bondage. If you're watching by, by online, you, it might be somebody there at home. But if you're struggling with addictions, if you're struggling with depression, if your marriage is struggling because you're thinking about divorce, if you are struggling with anxiety and fear, God wants to break that free this morning. He wants to break this free this morning. He wants you to step out of that cage and be in His freedom, in the freedom that He has for us. And you know there's some people too that have stepped out but they still got a finger or a hand in that cage they can't let go of that thing in their life 